big easy in the building. Plus, more challenge best friends that weren't. Our hardest daily challenge of the season. Finally, a real deliberation. We've got the upset of the season and we are headed to the final. It's the All-Stars Episode 7 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to the Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future. If it's happening in the Challenge universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated Challenge Historian, Jacob Holoval. Thank you so very, very much for being here with us today. And on today's pod, we are talking all things Challenge All-Stars Episode 7, the penultimate episode of the first ever All-Stars season, and there is a lot to cover. This was an action-packed episode setting up our final episode, final of the first ever All-Stars season. We'll see who gets that crown one week from now, but on this one, we find out who all makes it to that finale, and with that, we've got so much to cover that we got to dive right down in. We'll go through our section-by-section recap of the episode. We'll give out all of our normal awards, make our predictions for that final, and cover a little history lesson about Anissa being the most tortured fan base in Challenge history. So a lot to get to. Let's dive right on in with that episode breakdown. Here we go. We open this week's episode fresh off the last one. They stuck to the you know basic episodic format all the way through. So we get Mark and Kendall coming back to the house celebrating. We get Mark announcing that the best feeling in the world is winning an elimination, and yet they still don't mention that he had never won one before, which just seems wild. I talked about that a lot on last week's podcast. I assumed we were going to open this episode with him celebrating, but I also assumed we would get him to mention that it was his first ever Elimination win, which somehow went by the wayside. But in contrast to Mark, who's very excited, loves the feeling of sending someone home, loves the feeling of victory. Kendall, on the other hand, is very sad that she has to send another person home and is responsible for another person going home, which is another of a lot of moments that have kind of been adding up later in this season of these people are just a lot nicer uh, in their slightly older age, all coming back to the show. And feeling bad that they have to beat each other, that everyone can't win, and it's just kind of funny to see. We then, though, dive into the meat of, or what would become the meat of the episode, the main storyline of the episode, and that is Anissa and Yasella, who we find out in what has become classic challenge fashion now, that Anissa and Yasella, if you didn't know, are best friends. They talk every single day. Literally, Yasella says they talk almost every day, which I feel like... If that was true, how did we get seven episodes into this season without knowing that these two were such good friends? If you would have asked me going into this episode, hey, who in the house left is like really tight off the show, I wouldn't have had any idea who to exactly guess um, of those that are at least left. In the, there would have been a couple, you know, the Beth and Cyrus, but they just left. A few others like that, Derek and Mark seem to be super close. I would have had no idea to guess Anissa and Yasella. If you would have asked me who is Anissa's best friend in the house, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. So I feel like how did we get that this far in, having no idea, and they claim to talk every single day. Um, just 
that best friend syndrome, challenge best friend syndrome, striking again. We made light of this earlier in the season when we actually found out that there were a few people, you know, the Katie's and Trichelle was the main time. I think we brought it up that seemed to have actually had a moment in their life where they were best friends in each other's wedding, all this and that, but brought up how it's just become this regular refrain in the challenge house that whoever your number one alliance is, a person you talk to the most in the house, you start just calling them your best friend. And uh, we thought maybe this group of people had moved past that or was kind of adjacent to some of that. But we find out in this one, not the case. Anissa Yusela, absolute BFFs. We have one little moment that I guess proves this of them out uh, half cuddling, half joking under a blanket on a like, lawn chair. Um, and that's all the evidence we have to go off of. But they're best friends. We find that out. And then the last part of the pre-daily challenge segment is that we get our own maybe not the only one. I think we've seen some people working out once or twice, but the only kind of group workout of the season, which had become, you know, a staple, especially the last couple seasons of the regular show, being in the COVID and everything, even more, they can't go anywhere. Everyone's been working out. They have those huge gyms, these awesome gyms on both uh, Double Agents, Total Madness. They had amazing gym setups. They've got a nice little outdoor setup going here. We get a uh, picture of all the dudes working out. And all of the ladies watching. And we, of course, get the first nominee for quote of the week. Who other than Jemmy leading off the nominees for that, talking about Mark. And while she regards him as her, you know, the father figure of the challenge, she isn't afraid to have him take his shirt off. Take it away, Jemmy. Mark is like the hot, hot stripper that you hire for like your mom's 50th birthday. So your mom doesn't feel inappropriate touching a younger boy because Mark's her age. She truly has been, you know, we, I don't know if we'll ever give it out an award for the best interviewee of the all-star season, but Jemmy, it feels like week in and week out throwing us amazing quotes. That's your first nominee for the quote of the week. And with that, we've covered all the pre daily challenge. So let's transition into the next segment of the show, the daily challenge itself. We move into our final daily challenge of the season, and it is the one that has been teased throughout, from I believe from the very initial trailer for the show, or I guess the first trailer that actually had footage. There was kind of the one with just the spinny helmet, but that doesn't really count. So this one has been in all the trailers, been in a lot of the advertisements, it has been teased all season, and definitely lived up to the hype. It was a very cool challenge, probably the hardest one they have had to do called Ribcage Pass, and first off, starts with an amazing entrance by TJ. As usual, he's really stepped up his entrance game over the past kind of half dozen seasons or so, as he's kind of seized more and more control, upped his game even higher, always rolling in on the semis, rolling in in the helicopters, this, that, and the other. This one is the semi, he's on top of it, comes bearing down on our contestants, hops on down, explains to them they are going to be two at a time, on the side of this semi, jumping from beam to beam, crossing from the back to the front of the semi, grabbing a ball, going all the way back to the back of it, depositing that in a basket. They've got up to four balls to get down and back of this semi, up and over and around these beams as fast as they can before they reach the end of the course. Most balls wins, or most in the fastest time wins for the guy and girl, and this one's fully individual, which I'm glad. I was slightly worried that they weren't going to even do a single full-on individual. But as we're 
literally one challenge away from being in the final. Glad they finally did a full front to back individual challenge the whole way through. You're on your own. So awesome challenge. Looked cool. Seemed both, you know, difficult enough while also just being one of those ones that as a fan you watch and you're like, I wish I could try this. Um, so let's break down a couple performances. Uh, first, those that maybe didn't do so well or as well as we thought. We open with our best friends, Hasela and Anissa, our new, newly formed and uh, not for long best friends. And they didn't do so hot. Yaseli gets to the third beam and just kind of stops and just bear hugs the thing and stays there. And then very uncharacteristically, Anissa just decides, I'm just I'm a little ways in front of Yaseli. I'll go ahead and stop too. I'm not going to get last, which usually, I mean, I don't know if it was a fear thing, but she's done so many of these. She's been on the sides of semis plenty of times before. Isn't one to usually take the... Well, I'm not in last, so I'll just kind of mail it in here, especially given her fear that Brit comes up and that we're going to talk about both with this episode and our history lesson later of going home right before the final. You think she's going all out for that immunity, but gets ahead of you, sell it, decides to call it quits as well. We then transition into uh, some people that did a little bit better. We get Derek and Nehemiah, the first big heat kind of one-on-one match to set the tone for the guys, and Derek absolutely does. He crushes it. Nehemiah is just barely behind him, but can't quite keep up and get that third ball in. Derek gets three, sets the high mark for the guys, who we then right after him get Alton, and I'm expecting, you know, big Alton guy here. Obviously, this just seems perfect for him. It seems like he and Derek going in would have been the hands down, like those two guys, got one of them's got a win on the guy's side. Alton... Doesn't get all four, which blew me away. Doesn't even get the third one, which blew me away even more. So feeling a little nervous, but they haven't really, you know, panned in on him excuse me, too much. So it doesn't seem like he's really in any danger, but very surprised not to see him get all four. Honestly, was a little bit surprised not to see Derek get all four, but still Derek had the lead. We get easy and yes, and shout out Big Easy. They, they very tricky with the edit. At first, it seems like he's absolutely crushing it the whole time during this entire challenge. You never have any idea how fast any of these people are actually moving, the way they edit it. It's unclear how long of a course they were kind of on, how long they had to do this. Um, but it seems like Easy's doing great. It seems like being the taller is really helping him take the big steps, the big jumps from one beam to the other. Uh, we saw that, especially on the women's side. Some of the shorter women were really struggling because they would come up. There was one big gap kind of right in the middle that seemed like for some people it was like a legitimate jump and others, a couple of the taller guys, and even for a Kellyanne um, on the women's side, were able to kind of more, you know, touch both beams at once if they wanted to lean into it. it wasn't a full-on jump on the side of a moving semi. So it seemed like Easy was doing great. He gets two balls in, and he's going up against Yes, who's drops his third ball or is on his way to his third ball and falls and has to kind of cling to the underside of a beam. And the way they edit it makes it seem like easy beats yes. And that, if anything, yes is in last place. So then we get everyone else to go. And the last two women to go, Kendall and Kellyanne, the last two. And what I wasn't thinking strategy-wise coming in is made very clear by both of them in their little interviews announced, you know, they have all of the pressure to win. If one of those two wins, they're safe, they're in the final, but they both know and have been eyeing each other this whole time that 
if they're available to get called into the elimination and we know ahead of time this is a, a guy's week that a guy is going to get nominated and then pick his own female partner. They, Kelly and Kendall are both freaking out. If one of them doesn't win, they think they're for sure going into the elimination. They're going to get called out as the best females left potentially. So all the pressure on them. They both perform super well, but in the end, Kellyanne gets the win on the women's side and the godfather himself, Mark Long, fresh off that first ever elimination victory, comes in and spanks all the guys, gets all four, and was again where the whole, I have no idea how long each of them were up there. You know, it doesn't seem like Mark is necessarily going any faster than the others, but he also seems to have easily gotten all four and then just like kind of sat down and rode out the rest of his time on the semi. So who knows, but Mark and Kellyanne win are going straight to the final and in a kind of a surprise again after the how they had edited it before easy is the loser on the guy's side yasella is the loser on the women's side they are going straight to elimination so we got two people in the final two in elimination headed for the last deliberation and uh, elimination round of the season we'll transition into that next segment of the show now we move to the deliberation, and there is a good amount to talk about with the deliberation cocktail hour segment of the show. So we'll go one note at a time here. First, it immediately opens, or they get back to the house post-daily challenge, and we go right into Anissa letting it be known, do not throw her in this close to the final, that she is not going in, that if Whatever guy is selected, they better not pick her. And only thing she's thinking about is which guy in here ain't going to pick me as a partner. She even goes as far to let all the guys know straight up, quote, if you pick me, I'm not doing it. We're going home. And first on that, we're going to cover, uh, you know, Anissa has every right to be, have some, you know, deja vu and some, you know, you know, trauma basically over how often she has went home immediately before the final. We're going to talk about that in our history lesson. She, her fan base is the most tortured fan base on this show for sure. But if the whole, if you pick me, I'm not going to do it. Maybe that works as an intimidation tactic for them not to pick you, but also like, yes, you are. (laughs) You're, you're telling them don't pick me because I don't want to go home right before the final. If you pick me, I'm not going to do it. So you're going to go home right before the final instead of just probably winning the elimination around because you'd probably be the favored in whatever elimination comes up. But at this point, we don't know what it's going to be. But probably if Anissa is the partner with any of the other guys, they're at least probably slight favorites over uh, Yasella and Easy. So you would think she might be mad, but I would think she'd want to make that final and would probably actually do it. So if I was one of the guys and I wanted her as my partner, I'm calling that bluff for sure, for sure. But we'll talk more about why she's even doing that later on in our history lesson. We also we get the flip side of Anissa trying to politic her way out of ending up in that elimination. We get Yasella, who's going in, letting everyone know she just wants to play fair. She doesn't want them to vote for anyone other than people who have not been in an elimination, not because it's who she thinks she can beat, or who she likes or has alliances with, but straight up just because she thinks everyone's played the game fair and we should keep playing the game fair. And only the only thing that's fair is if everyone does their same amount of elimination, which, uh, as to what we said a few moments ago about Kendall not you know feeling bad about sending one home, 
it's the challenge. Like you guys have been here a couple weeks at this point. I know you haven't been on the show in a while, but you've been here around in the house for a few weeks. Things have gotten more intense, more strategic. At some point, he got to remember what you're actually doing here. So another funny moment of just these people are trying to be so nice about this now. And the ones that aren't being so nice are kind of the ones that have skated by relatively easily in this game, looking at you, Jemmy. Then, though, we get to the actual deliberation. They go out and finally, really, I mean, we started off the season with multiple uh, deliberations, excuse me, in a row where people were either just unanimous or we went with, you know, whoever's in the elimination gets to pick and no one has any issues with it, so we throw them in or people throwing themselves in. We haven't had an actual contentious, don't know who's going to end up getting voted for here, deliberation. We finally get one. It's a little bit all over the place. We have some people wanting to honor what Yasella said and only vote for those who hadn't been in an elimination round before. We have others saying, no, 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 we're going straight off who we want, who we don't want in the final, who we think can you know, maybe be easy, whatever. Eventually, it kind of comes down to yes in Nehemiah. Yes <laughs> plays an all-time card that I... I I both laughed at it, but I had to respect the hell out of it. And it seemed to potentially work a little bit. But he comes up with the I wake up every day and make new alliances line, which is just priceless. That I don't have alliances. I don't I don't, you know, play with anyone in the house. I don't even have friendships. I wake up and live every day in the moment and make new alliances in the day and you know, earn your trust, earn your loyalty day to day. Um, it seemed to work, but it when it came out, it was just a little bit like uh, similar to Yasella wanting to play fair is just kind of like, it's a challenge, dude. Like, you know, you know, clearly they haven't been around in a while, but it works. It gets them enough votes. Um, and with our second nominee for quote of the week, we have yet again, Jemmy, who not only has given us by far the most nominees for quotes of the week, of the week over each episode, but almost every single deliberation is the only one who seems to be playing the full strategic game and let's be known with an amazing quote. So here's Jemmy talking about who and why she bases her votes on. Jemmy. Yes. At this point in the game, I don't care what Hasella wants, what Easy wants, what any of y'all want. I'm not voting for yes. My vote is for Derek. Hasella is my girl, but her opinion does not fucking matter to me. I love y'all. I just love me more, especially when there's half a million dollars so very close. There's a reason she never really had to sweat this whole season got to the final. She's looking out for her as all of them should be. So hats off to her for having an easy path to the final, or I guess she shouldn't even say easy, for a deserved easy path based off of the strong political game, strategic game that she's playing. We move into the cocktail hour. Nehemiah now going into elimination. The focus turns to who's he going to pick and what kind of game are they going to get. And for some reason, we have Nehemiah talking shit to Big Easy, who's just chilling, living Big Easy style, as always, not worried about it. He's going to go in there, try to do his best, this, that, and the other. But Nehemiah talks shit, and thankfully, Easy immediately stands up for himself and reminds both Nehemiah and potentially the audience that they've been in an elimination together before, and Big Easy got the best of them. Way back on the duel, Nehemiah's debut season, um, those two went against each other and admittedly was one of the silliest challenge elimination games ever uh, that they played a bunch on that season. The duel, they only had the four games at each elimination. They picked one and would play it. 
And uh, I forget the actual name. It was like Count It or something like that. But basically, they bet back and forth, raising each other's bets of how many watermelons they could lift up in a cage, like deadlift in a cage, and hold up for five seconds. And they bet higher and higher numbers until one of them said, bet you can't, essentially. And if they could, they went out and easy picked up, I don't know what it was. It was like 75 watermelons or something. And uh, went home. So it was a bit of a silly but one, but also hilarious and in the moment easy one got the better of him and nehemiah no place to be talking shit versus a guy that has beat you in an elimination before so we've got that going on kind of on the guy side of things but on the women's side of things cocktail hour is when we lose our best friends they lasted all of about half an episode but yasella and anisa no longer our best friends yasella thinks anisa stabbed her in the back by not voting or yes, or someone else who hadn't been in an elimination before. And to Anissa's credit, during this whole part, Yasella keeps throwing around, uh, you've stabbed me in the back, I can't trust you, we're not friends anymore, this, that, and the other. And no one did any stabbing in the back, the front, nothing. Anissa didn't do a single thing wrong. Didn't She just didn't vote for who someone else wanted her to vote for. She was honest about it. She told her ahead of time, that's not how I'm going to vote. I don't know who yet, but it's not going to be who you want necessarily. And she didn't go back on any word. She didn't do anything shady. She didn't lie. She didn't didn't do anything. There was no stabbing. There was no stabbing in the back for certain. So another instance of where just these phrases and, you know, things get thrown around. And sometimes, you know, we want the drama. We like the drama. But let there be a reason for the drama. It's usually better when there's actually a legitimate reason. And this one didn't feel like there was. But... Either way, our best friends that we had just found out about 20 minutes prior are now, unfortunately, no longer on speaking terms. So it doesn't seem like they'll be doing daily phone calls anymore after this one. But that ends our cocktail hour. We transition um, here into then the final segment of this penultimate episode, the elimination round. We move into the final elimination round of the season, another dual elimination. And we get there, and before we even get to who Nehemiah picks and the elimination itself, we've got to file one complaint here, and that is we don't get hall brawl, we don't get balls in, we don't even get reverse tug of war. The game that we get is a cool game, we'll get to it in a minute, but with the way they started this season, right out the gate, pole wrestle, episode one. And, you know, with the original, the first couple daily challenges being callbacks to some classic daily challenges, it really felt like they were the same as they had, you know, the all-stars for the cast, that they were going to do the all-star competitions of, you know, the best of the best, the most memorable, the most fun, and especially kicking it off with pole wrestle and having it be so, such a good pole wrestle and a brutal pole wrestle, it felt like at some point we were seeing those halls during this season. I thought they were going to do it. I understand why they didn't, at least I understand why they didn't do hall brawl necessarily. I'm sure some of these people signing up might even have asked the question are, you know, at 40, 45, 50 years old, am I going to be putting on football pads at some point coming in here? Maybe not wanting to do that. Maybe not wanting to put people through that. I get it. But I thought for sure coming into this final elimination that if we didn't see hall brawl, we would see balls in and worst case, we'd see some version of a reverse tug of war. None of those, so a little bit bummed out by that. I kind of wish they would have went with that. I really felt like 
know, if they were going to do multiple of these seasons of All-Stars that, you know, there almost should have just been a set. These are the daily challenges. These are the elimination challenges all the way through every seasons of All-Stars, almost the same with a couple rotating in and out, but that you were guaranteed these for these five things. Um, it's not what we got. That's all right. Would have loved to see a big, easy Nehemiah Hall brawl at their age, but we don't get it. We get a good elimination, though. And first, we find out that uh, Nehemiah, we have to figure out who he picks. He decides to go with Kendall, which she kind of knew from the moment she didn't win and Kellyanne did in the Daily Challenge that she was probably up for the most obvious pick. She's been in there twice. She's proven herself physically throughout. They look and see that it is a physical elimination. The game, I forget the exact name, but that they one's got to stand on the other partner's back, lift these rings connected by metal chain up off of this tall pole. Once it's off, run over to your wall where you use the chain and the hoops to build a ladder to climb on up the wall and ring a bell. Definitely, you know, Kendall seemed like the obvious pick. Agility, uh, everything she's shown, she's been in those eliminations a couple times already. The kind of clear, obvious pick for Nehemiah, he does pick her. And going into the game, definitely feels not quite anywhere near a, some sort of David first Goliath. They kind of build as, oh my gosh, this would be the biggest upset ever if you sell an easy win. Not at all. I mean, you know, one-on-one, I'd maybe take Nehemiah slightly over easy in uh, this challenge or most challenges, and I would probably pick Kendall over Ysela in most physical challenges, but nothing in the sort of, I wasn't going into this thinking that this was over from the start at all. They were kind of billing it that way, which kind of told you that an upset might be brewing, whatever level of upset you want to quantify it as. I personally and put it out a very minor upset. Again, Easy has beaten Nehemiah before in an elimination round. But Fitz Kendall, Kendall Nehemiah, Yasella Easy going at it right as we go in. Not going to be quite a nominee for quote of the week because of uh, how much it didn't personally land for me, even though it was a great quote. It was funny. It was Yasella in the interview announcing that tonight is about reminding people who the fuck I am, which was hilarious. Uh, from some other cast members, I would totally, you know, it'd be a quote of the week nominee. It would be um, an amazing thing for them to say. It still sounded great from her, but the moment she said it, I was kind of just like, um, weren't you the seasons you were on kind of, we thought you were a layup and you more or less kind of gave up in the eliminations and or quit one time. Like, I don't think you want to remind us who you were. You should remind us who you tell us who you are now. Like, that's great. Um, but I think she sounded, you know, thought she said it was sounding amazing and, you know, did sound like a badass, but uh, maybe should have reworded it to let you know that things have changed and now who's going to be bringing it, which she does. They kick off the match and first step, they got to girls climb on the guy's back to get up top of this pole and lift these chains and hoops off it. And on the way down, Yasella jumps down, hurts her knee, rolls around on the ground. And where she does get a nominee for quote of the week is her reaction to being injured mid elimination round, being that badass that she was trying to be with the initial quote. Here is the actual nominee for quote of the week from Yasella. The pain I feel right now is unbearable. I do a quick medical assessment. Am I bleeding? Can I wiggle my toes? 
and both of these things are checks, guess what? Going over to the wall to help Easy out. So she's sticking it out. Easy's getting everything they ha- he's got. Nehemiah Kendall on the other side, going fast as well, trying to do their absolute best. But they get to the walls, and Easy just immediately knows this is the exact way to do this. We only got to build so many rungs before I can stand up there and ring this bell. Nehemiah and Kendall are getting a little more flustered, don't exactly know what strategy to go with, how they're supposed to climb up. They're, you know, looping or hooking more hoops than Easy and Yusela are doing. Easy climbs up, rings that bell. They get the win. The, in my mind, small upset build as this huge upset. But immediately when they win, first thought is feel so, so good for Easy. I just love seeing him. Be able to, you know, I wanted to see him get in an elimination during this season. I'm glad he's one of the ones that got in there. And I'm so glad that he won. I want to see him in a final. I want to see him run and show that change in endurance that it seems like from the other slight endurance challenges we've had, he's definitely come a long way and the older age might do him better. So, so, so happy for him. But at the same time, well, you know, I felt I felt good for Yusela as well, but and I didn't feel great for Nehemiah seeing him lose. But I felt awful for Kendall. I mean, my goodness. She, first off, her perfect record that we've talked about a few times on these recaps is broken. She no longer is a perfect challenge competitor. Finally gets a loss in her fourth elimination in her second season. Will not be getting that second win. So her perfect record's broken. She... In a season, you know, where only so many people had to go into eliminations, a lot of these people going to the final didn't even have to think about going into elimination. She had to go into three of them. She was only there because she was so much better than all the other women during throughout the season that she was the obvious pick. Everyone is going to pick her or Kellyanne. Kellyanne narrowly beats her in the daily challenge. So felt awful for Kendall. Immediately they they panned past her, but pretty much by then had the question of did Kellyanne just win, <laughs> which I then remembered it is they so far at least kept claiming it's only going to be one single winner. So she's got to beat the guys too, but um, still then reverted back to did Kellyanne just win? Just heavy, heavy favorite on the female side, if not one of the heavy favorites on the whole thing going into the final. We'll touch on that in our power rankings later on, but a quality elimination a little bit bummed out. We didn't get to see the Hall Brawler balls in. Um, one of the kind of classic three, I think of, you know, Hall Brawl, Pole Wrestle, balls in as the three absolute physical no-brainer, got to do it almost every season, classic challenge eliminations. We only saw the one. It was in the first episode, and that kind of bumps me out that, you know, if they were only going to do the one, maybe I think they feel like they should have maybe saved it. They really wanted to start with a bang, but it just feels like we're, um, kind of glide into the finish now, and they could have added another one of those in. But a good elimination, feel awesome for Easy, awesome for Yasella. They've earned their way to the final. Hopefully, Yasella's knee is in good enough shape to give it a go here in the final. We'll find out next episode. But that's all for this section. We will go ahead and wrap it up here with our episodic breakdown and move into the awards. Our final award segment of the season. I guess we'll do potentially a full best quote MVP um, episode grade for the final episode. It may be a little different. So possibly our last version of this season's awards here until maybe next episode we'll give the full season awards. Still figure that out. But for this episode, best quote, we've heard three of the four nominees 
thus far already. Those being Jemmy's comment about Mark uh, being a stripper, getting her dad, challenge dad, to take it off uh, out there while working out. We also had Jemmy in deliberation. I play for me. That quote, yet another deliberation Jemmy quote nominated for quote of the week. We just had Yasella with the medical check line being a badass, toughened out during the elimination. The only one we hadn't played for you yet that we would play right now was Derek that we missed back during the daily challenge immediately after his round, post-round interview. He's riding high, taking that lead in. I'm a sucker for a basketball quote. He drops in a dunk line. Let's go ahead and take it to Derek for his post uh, post-daily ch- challenge run interview. Good luck, ladies. I got three balls. It sets the bar high. I need to be safe. And it starts with a fucking dunk. Derek's, I think, first uh, nominee there of maybe the entire season, which he's been good in the interviews. Hasn't quite pulled off that quote of the week nominee yet, which I guess coming into the season, I might have put him at one of the top people just given all the podcast background now and being a little more familiar, being a little more comfortable, maybe in those interviews that some that have been away from the game longer. But he gets one here. He doesn't quite get the win, though. With the line of the week, we are going with our girl, Jemmy, yet again, getting another quote of the week win. We'll play it one more time for you. She had two nominees going with her line about challenge dad Mark and his stripper tendencies. Take it away, Jemmy. Mark is like the hot, hot stripper that you hire for like your mom's 50th birthday. So your mom doesn't feel inappropriate touching a younger boy because Mark's her age. So that's your final quote of the week. As far as episode MVP, there can only be one option. That is my guy, Big Easy, doing it Big Easy style. Um, should be noted, night before his elimination, still enjoying cocktail hour. My guy always living Big Easy style. Giving points for that, for winning the elimination, for honestly doing well in the daily challenge. I guess, I mean, he got pretty far. Again, it seemed like I seemed like he maybe even got further than yes. Um, but regardless, all the guys did well enough that even he doing well was ended up in last. But definitely the MVP of this episode. This was the easy episode. There wasn't even really another good option. I mean, Anissa and Yasella were kind of carrying the main storyline of their relationship but again because it was this whole oh we're best friends oh we're not best friends anymore we've seen that too many times now and just isn't isn't going to get you that many votes in the mvp case so easy big easy eric banks bringing home the mvp of this episode as for our power rankings and i guess at this point straight up predictions for next week's final i'm gonna go we're gonna give a top five this is officially who's winning the final we watched the trailer we've seen some clips it does look like you know it looks like a more or less traditional final there we saw them uh kayaking at some point on water that's kind of always a staple or has become a staple of the finals we saw a lot of running we saw biking i think we saw eating in there it seemed like there was a lot of sections like this thing's going to be fairly long so with all that or that little bit of knowledge from that of what we think is going to happen um, I'm going to give you my top five prediction. This is the order of people I think are going to win this. Number one, moving into the number one spot for the first time and just changing completely. Previously, number one, Darrell, you're not going to find on this list. While I think it's a big fake out in the in the edit for that trailer for next week's final episode, they try to edit it where they show you someone with his back turned to you. 
leaning over, throwing up, laying on the ground as Darrell gives a quote in the background. That's a total fake out. That's not Darrell on the ground. I'm almost confident. But he doesn't even make my top five anymore. My number one is Derek. I think Derek's winning this hands down. Um, just off the glimpses of what we saw from the final, I think he's going to have the well-rounded, can do it all. The only thing holding him back being if he has to do the puzzles on his own. But it did look like they might be pairing up for portions of it. And in the past, when they've done the kind of pairs, individual pairs, individual, usually they had a pair there for the puzzle, if except for the very final puzzle, which, as I'm saying this out loud, I just realized... Uh, they're definitely, if there's only going to be one winner and it's guy, girl, only one winner, they're probably going to have to do the same style as they did on Vendettas, which was the, uh, Vendettas was the first time they ever had just one single winner. They did it again on War of the Worlds, but the way they did it on Vendettas was they got to the very, very end, two guys, two girls left as they whittled it down. And then the final thing was just those four people do a big puzzle. Car Maria beats Zach by a hair and wins the first ever single one person only championship and realizing that there's a good chance that's what they're going to have to do with this. I'm completely rethinking putting Derek at first because I don't think he's going to be able to do a big impressive puzzle on his own faster than some of these else. So scratch what I just said. Derek no longer number one. We're going to bump him down. We're moving Kellyanne to the top spot. Kellyanne wins and she was going to be my number two. Now considering how this is going to have to end though, she moves up to number one. Perfectly well-rounded player in this. She's going to be able to run I believe she's been able to eat well enough in the past. Um, can expect her to be fine athletically. You know, I don't know if she bikes or kayaks, but should be able to do that. No problem. think she's got the endurance. think she's got whatever strength they're going to need. And think she's got the puzzle side down. She's now moves from number two to number one. I put then yes, and this makes me even feel better about this, for the first time in the power rankings, yes, at the number two spot, mainly because of the puzzle factor. It seems like... My guy, I mean, it was the math thing early on in the season, but it seems like overall he's just, you know, thinking on a slightly higher level than a lot of the other folks here and is going to be able to whip through those puzzles. I guess he didn't necessarily, he actually didn't get the puzzle right on the last the uh, challenge a couple episodes ago where they had to do it, but he was one of the ones that thought he got it right and that I thought got it right from viewing his puzzle. Um, but he's number two. I think he's going to be able to handle all the running perfectly fine. As long as there's nothing super strength based, depending what they have to carry. If it's body weight based in the past, usually if they got to carry something in the final, you know, it's based on their body weight to what they're carrying, not necessarily, Hey, everyone just carries a hundred pound log or whatever. So if that's the case, I think he can carry anything. He's got the running, he's got the puzzles, Kellyanne, then yes. Then I've got Mark, Jemmy, and I'll keep Derek in the top five. Cause I think outside of that very final puzzle or potentially what I'm thinking might be a very final puzzle. Now he's still up there, but the Godfather he's been training for this. He's been pushed for this. This is everything he wants. He wants to win this season as much as he tried to stay in the background, make sure this wasn't just all about him. Um, I think he wants it to be all about him in the end. Why wouldn't he, he put it all together. He wants to get that win. He wants to keep building that legacy. And he is the one that definitely wants to make the jump. Whether he hasn't said it 100% directly, he said maybe the full cast sometime down the road can make the jump back into the regular game. He's the one that wants to prove himself and get over in that regular game for sure. So he's at my third spot, I guess. Jemmy at my fourth spot, I think, out of the women. She's going to have the most endurance. She's going to be, if there is any strategy as far as picking partners, maybe some sort of being able to dole out 
you know, time penalties or anything to other teams. She's going to be the one thinking the most, most ruthlessly. I think she can handle all the physical side of whatever they're going to have to do. She's my number four. Derek's my number five. Those are the predictions. That's the final power ranking. Kellyanne, yes. Mark, Jemmy, Derek. With respect to Darrell, I don't know. I honestly can't even explain why for the last two weeks I've been saying Darrell's going to win. I've just got a feeling, but that feeling just completely went away, and I don't know why, but don't think Darrell. I, I hope he proves me wrong. I would love to see Darrell win. Um, I don't know what it was. I just had such a strong feeling of this is just Darrell's in the bag. Just the small, the exact amount of interviews and storylines he was on the periphery of, a part, a part of, even though he wasn't a part of it. It seemed like they were just trying to keep him involved, um, even when he wasn't involved because of you know where it was going to maybe end up. And I guess I just don't feel that way now. So um, he would maybe be sixth if I had to go six deep on this power ranking. But that's that overall episode grade. Another B. I'm going to give it a B. It was good. Not quite great. Again, if it maybe would have been one of those classic eliminations, it might have elevated it all the way to great. I really like the daily challenge. We got some decent stuff from the times at the house. Nothing too amazing, though. Nothing that quite as good as some of the other things we've had this season. So overall grade for the episode B. Those are your awards. And with that, we'll move into the final history lesson of the season. We will likely... Next week's episode be a bit longer, a big recap of the not just the final episode, but kind of the season in general. So won't do a history lesson next week. We will this week. So get out those textbooks, open them up, and let's dive in to a little challenge history. All right, final history lesson of the season. And we're talking Anissa specifically. And we're talking about Anissa and her, I mean, mostly her overall challenge resume, but specifically how tortured she has kind of been as far as how close she gets to the finals without actually making it. It was referenced here being the last elimination of the season. She didn't want to go in. It was referenced. They showed a couple different clips of her losing right before the finals, but they didn't give the full stats on it. So we went back and pulled up her season-by-season breakdown to walk you through it. The way I like to think of this is, you know, with major sports teams, um, let's take the NFL or football, for example, we talk about tortured fan bases that whose teams have, you know, haven't won a championship in so, so many years, haven't even been to the playoffs in so long maybe, or maybe they've gotten to one exact point and lost over and over. So like in football, we think of the Browns and the Bills and the Vikings, or in basketball, something one like the Kings who can't get anything together or, you know, the Knicks the last 20, 30 years. We've got these tortured fan bases in sport. And in the challenge, I think of fan bases for each individual person. And the one that shines above all of them is if you are a fan of Anissa, you have been a tortured fan over your challenge existence with how close this woman has come to all kinds of finals without being able to make it. Now, we will start by acknowledging she has made two finals. So um, it's not like she's never been there, but those two finals were on the Gauntlet 2 and the Duel 2, which were her third and sixth seasons, respectively. And ever since then, or I guess right before and right after, they've come all around all of them. But she has come so close in so many of her seasons, she's done 14 total seasons, has those two finals appearances in seasons three and six of hers, respectively. But let's go over. She has 
lost on the last elimination before the final four times, which I believe is a record. I've got to, it's hard to calculate that for every single person ever, but as far as people who, you know, I've kind of run through anyone that's been on the show enough times for that to even come into question. And I don't think anyone comes close to four times going home right before the final challenge. And then she's got two other times where she went home second to last. So we'll run through each one. First, the duel. She goes home on the last elimination before the final. And that one, worth saying, Anissa does not have a win even in either of those two finals that she was in. But in the duel, she goes home on the last elimination before the final. And that final was just two women in it, Svetlana and Jody, And no disrespect to either of them by any means. Um, but that was definitely Anissa's shot. If she had a shot to win one of these, that one was a weaker group in the finals. Anissa would have been right there with probably Jody as the favorites, slightly over Svetlana in that Jody went on to win. But that was a winnable finals for her that she could have made. And there weren't a lot of those necessarily to go around. So that one really, really hurt early in the career, though. Then we got the Inferno 3. She goes home the last elimination before the final. And that was one her team won the final. She was the last person eliminated on a team that won and her being on it wouldn't have changed anything, certainly for the negative, maybe, you know, a little for the positive. They didn't need any more for the positive. They won fairly easily. So could have got a win there. Rivals two, her and DM, her partner, go home the last elimination before the final. It was a stacked final. Uh, no one was beating Emily Schramm and Paula Walnuts, but could have easily got a second place there. Then on Battle of the Bloodlines, yet again, goes home last elimination before the final, fourth time. And after that, we get two more, the most two most recent seasons of the main show, Total Madness and Double Agents. Uh, the, you know, the challenge gods decide to change it up just a little. And I think part of it, also the contestants started to realize the moment they got anywhere near a final, this was brought up. This was about Anissa. She started politicking the same way she just did on this episode of All Stars. And so in Total Madness and Double Agents, they were at least nice enough to vote her in on the second to last elimination round and send her home second to last. So she, you know, got those couple extra days, but still pretty horrible. Six times, either the last or the second to last person eliminated right before the final out of 14 seasons. That is just brutal. So that is Anissa's tortured fan base resume. That is your history lesson for today, and that is it for this week's pod. We'll be back next week for one more recap of the Challenge All-Stars finale. We'll, or I believe finale. I mean, I guess they didn't actually say if it was for sure over, and we thought there was supposed to be nine episodes, and this is episode eight, but I'm assuming at this point it's one episode finale, a reunion. We will definitely cover the finale if the ninth episode is a reunion. Uh, we may do a full recap of it. We may move on to some other topics. We'll see. But we'll be back next week for sure for the finale of the season. Until then, follow along on Instagram at Challenge Historian for some daily content. Check us out on YouTube where we're going to launch our first couple of videos in the next week here. Separate from the podcast, additional weekly content looking at some Challenge Historian type of stuff. If you like the history lessons at the end of these episodes, you're going to love the stuff that's going up on the YouTube channel at Challenge Historian. And then obviously, if you're listening on Spotify, Apple, wherever you're listening to this podcast, subscribe, rate, review. Those help us in a big way. With that, we're signing out for this week. We'll see you next week for the finale. Find out who wins the inaugural season of the Challenge All-Stars. I'll talk to you then.